0: This is the Weekly Bull and Bear by WealthFest, a podcast for financial professionals. Each week, Drew Dawkin and Tim Prady will have an in-depth conversation on what's happening in the markets. Hello, everybody. Today, it is August 7th, reporting on Monday afternoon. Uh, markets are up pretty high so far today, anyways. Last week was down big part of that was because of the Fitch downgrade. Uh, They put, you know, U.S. long-term rating from, um, to A-plus from a triple A, And so, you know, that was definitely the big news last week. Tim, let's open it up. What's going on in the markets?
1: Yeah, I think that definitely was the news of the week. And when you couple that with the fact that the 10-year is right there on the verge of breaking out, you're sitting at this, Uh, level just above 4, kind of the near-term highs were 4.22, I believe. Uh, We kind of bumped up against that, and then I think the reason why we rallied Friday and today is even though the non-farm payrolls came in, I thought a little bit inflationary, and we can get into that, Uh, I thought you might have a chance of seeing uh, the 10-year yields really break out there, the bull, the I'm sorry the bear steepener trade and I think that would be a worst of all uh kind of a worst scenario for equities if you saw a really meaningful bull steepener and and the thing that exacerbated that was Yellen came out and said actually the amount of borrowing that they need to do is greater than they thought because receipts have been weak uh and she said that they're going to they're going to move out on the curve I mean it's about time it it you know it 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 You sit there and you look at it and you say, hold on a second, why do they keep borrowing short term at 5% when you can borrow longer term at 4%? Why would -hmm. you do that? Uh, And it's because they're worried about supply. And that is what the 10 year is reflecting. Not only is there a fear of, I believe, uh, is, is the bull uh, is the bear steepener reflective of some concern of higher secular interest rates. I think a bigger concern is that you're going to have a lot of supply on the long end. Uh, and as long as that 10-year stays down here and, and, and you know, earnings become, come in better than expected, even though they're negative, um, you know the market probably goes sideways. But I would think a negative catalyst would be as if you see this 10-year go through that 4.22 level.
0: Yeah, for me, it was kind of uh, very reminiscent of 2011. I mean, at that time, President Barack Obama more or less argued this isn't the base case for the U.S. economy. We saw Yellen say the same thing, and we saw you know Jamie Dimon at uh, J.P. Morgan say something similar. But it is what it is. Um, was really you know the takeaway? I'm curious. I mean, it's rem- a lot of it's just policy paralysis, and then obviously running up a lot of debt. Something you talked about. Um, this week, you know, in terms of the deficit myth and and your thoughts on modern monetary policy. So let's kind of have that broader discussion. Is it big part? I'm sure policy paralysis. Another big part is just the government running up debts, um, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no question what Fitch's concern was. Uh, Mm -hmm. Fitch's concern uh, is that you do have policy paralysis and you do have um you have extremism on both sides it's 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 ray dalio talks about all this all the time right That we are running into a situation where we have these much higher structural deficits by the way at a time when in, when unemployment is at 3.5 yeah. percent when employment gets these this low deficit should, should be much lower what happens when you get to max uh unemployment when you get to max employment that tends to be followed by a recession, uh, and when we look at the CBO scores uh, for what they expect deficits to look like in the out years, that's assuming uh, inflation real ex- re- uh, inflation, I'm sorry, growth reaccelerates to kind of that '90s, 2000s, three, three and a half, four percent pace. That ain't going to happen. So I think the deficit projections are really higher uh, than expected, and the problem is is that. The Democrats are not going to um, be conciliatory. They are not going to allow the Republicans to cut Medicare and Social Security and Medicaid. That just isn't going to happen. And at the same time, Republicans aren't going to allow any new revenues. The Republicans are going to try their hardest to prevent the funding of the IRS, which is the only government entity that brings in more money. Every money you spend on it is going to bring in more in revenues. Um, so there is, um, extremism on both sides, uh, that I think pitch and any rational person frankly looks at it and says, we're not going to handle this problem. Uh, now we'll see the question really is political. Um, do, does austerity as a policy for Republicans, assuming a Democrat is in the white house, because the only way you're going to get austerity is if a Democrat is in the white house and Republicans have control of the house or the house and Senate. Um, then you could really see some austerity because they believe that they could make the argument that Democrats are inflationary democratic spending and these huge budget deficits that we have are spending problems. They're not revenue problems, but they're spending problems. And that is a political winner for them. You get a Republican president. You're not going to see that. We, we're just going to say that we have a. It's it's going to be trickled down uh, all over again. What we really need to do is to stimulate the economy. Actually, have sh- greater spending, cut uh, revenues, and that'll fix everything. Which, of course, we know it won't. Uh, so I don't see how it gets better. And I agree with Fitch w- with with what they did. We're going to have really big, ugly deficits, and we're going to have to find buyers for all that. And I, I think that is what the ten year is getting s- scared about. Yeah.
0: I mean, no, not only is austerity is radically unpopular when it's actually being imposed on people, but we saw DeSantis, you know, just the other day talk about how it's unfortunate we're in a situation where both mom and dad have to work. Right. So you have a new discussion about family plannings and credits and everything, which is radically not a traditional uh, mainstay Republican position, but people are certainly moving that way, at least. In terms of you know how they position themselves on the stump, um, which you know that's that's not going to be that's going to be deficit spending as well. Um, yeah, you know, looking at jobs. So ADP came in with 324,000. Uh, you know, the non-farm payroll was I think 187,000, which was less than expected. Non-farm more than expected for the ADP. Either way, unemployment dropped from 3.6 to 3.5. Um. So, less than expected, more than expected, uh, you know, that's 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 where we're standing right now.
1: Right. I think the interesting thing about non-farm payrolls was that uh, the job growth came in a little weaker than expected. You continue to see hours worked. They were flat year over year, but they've been weak. Um,, uh, but the interesting thing is that average hourly earnings had has now ticked up again. And uh, you know, I don't think average hourly earnings is the greatest best measure. I think that the Atlanta Fed wage growth tracker is a better measure, but either way, you're, you're not getting there, the Fed isn't getting there. It's clear that nominal demand growth is still way too strong and the Fed is going to have to stay in play. So I was a little surprised. I kind of thought that Friday's number, and it, look, it's all about positioning ahead of it. I thought Friday's number would have been inflationary enough to move that 10 year yield higher Uh, but it wasn't apparently there was a lot of positioning for that because it really looked in the days ahead of it it was really knocking on the door Um, but yeah i found that number a little bit inflationary and i think that what's interesting is you know the market the equity markets have been so driven by this idea that growth is is slowing but more slowly than inflation is and i think that we're setting up for a dynamic where you're going to see Growth slowing and continuing to slow while inflation is starting to flatten out and have energy prices. I mean, I, I thought that the, the story of uh, the Ukrainians starting to hit oil tankers coming out of the Black Sea um, I, I, strikes me as something that could really be meaningful for oil prices. You know, you have oil storage levels, including the SPR, at historic lows in the United States. Uh, You see production being taken down aggressively. You really can't fight, you know, they say you can't fight the Fed. Now you really can't fight the Saudis. I think the Russians are finally cutting back on production because the Saudis need them to and want them to. Um, So there's all kinds of things tightening up energy markets, even as demand is weak. And I think that could be one of the factors. Most importantly, it's the base effects. It's the very, very high inflation readings That we had gotten in may and june those start to get easier comps which means that the inflation numbers could start to tick up a little bit and i think that's a very important narrative that's bearish uh, that could be changing here
0: yeah i mean you know you bring up the ukraine not only are they able to do some of that stuff with sea drones but you know last week they hit a big uh high-rise you know Mm -hmm. uh, apartments in moscow not to mention you got gas problem and a lot of those energy companies out there, so might be a matter of time before we start seeing rigs within Russia itself get bombed. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Um So in terms of jobs, we saw vacancies and layoffs edged lower. Uh, employment openings totaled 9.58 million for the month, so a little down from May. Uh, I mean, these were June's numbers that just came yeah. out, which was nine point six two. So lowest level opening since April twenty twenty one, but still, still a lot of unfilled date jobs. You know,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it it really is weird. the The NBER, the National, not the NBER, the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, which is the entity that does the best job of polling tons of small businesses, and there is this kind of. Um, stasis this this kind of frozenness in labor where there isn't really strong hiring uh but there are a lot of unfilled jobs so uh, it's like companies uh are are allowing there to be some uh, roll off of workers, but they're not hiring and filling those spots. They're kind of waiting and seeing, and then a lot of other companies that should be laying off workers uh, are trying to hold on to those workers. You have this labor hoarding dynamic. So there, there is all kinds of different things going on in the labor market, and it's you know it's it really is industry by industry. Uh, but it is interesting that when you when you look at that NFIB discussion that they and they put it out every month. Uh, how interesting it is that so many companies uh, need workers and have unfilled positions, uh, but at the same time, uh, by and large, small businesses are not aggressive in their hiring. As a matter of fact, the chief economist at the NFIB has been kind of speaking out about how surprised he's been uh, by the strength of the non-farm payrolls because within their survey work, they're not seeing that that, uh, kind of aggressive hiring.
0: Yeah, I was. It's funny. I, I was just, you know, talking to a buddy of mine from Maine. He's got a construction company, and I was asking him if these employment issues affected him, and he said every damn day. Uh, yeah. When you look at construction, um, you know, there's a shortage of 650,000 workers. Uh, we'll have to, you know, fill 546 in addition to what we're currently hiring. Yeah. And you know, this is at a time where construction is paying 80% more than the yeah. average non-farm payroll. So construction work is you know, in terms of labor is being highly, highly compensated um, these days.
1: That's like in the oil patch too. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, people talk about uh, that, you know, every well that you drill now, there's some real inflation uh on the labor side and just finding people is a battle yeah you you find somebody who has a business that's got a lot of blue collar labor in it and you're going to find people who can't find workers Mm -hmm. it's it's the waste management ceo who said i can find all the mbas i need for 80 and 100 grand a year but if i need somebody to oversee a driver's crew who knows what he's doing uh for the same amount of money i can't find that person Yep. Um so yeah, it it is a it is an odd time and I think it just speaks to our big theme uh that we have a secular labor shortage. Uh will the labor shortage in construction get better as we get through uh multifamily completions? Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, but, um, you know, you still have this huge demand in construction manufacturing um, that, you know, is being driven by so much of the fiscal stimulus by, by the IRA and by the CHIPS Act. And you saw that some companies are, are delaying uh, the completion of some of these facilities because either they anticipate they won't have the workers to fill the jobs once the facility is done or they can't find the workers to just get the facility built in the first place, it's 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 an interesting time. You know, the average of GDP and GDI is barely positive, and yet we have three and a half percent unemployment with five six percent wage growth. Uh, I think it speaks to the long term secular issue uh, of a worker shortage that isn't going away outside of
0: recessions. No, and and, and you know, more to the point that. The recent fact that came out that we're at 84 percent peak employment. So you're not going to find tens of millions of 20 somethings, 30 somethings, even 40 somethings to fill any of these roles.
1: No, we're Just pulling the, anybody yeah. and everybody into the yeah. labor uh, into the labor force. Um, yeah. it, it's, it, it's interesting. Um, and, and yet you can't find people. But we'll see. There's also been some fiscal dominance here. There's been a lot of fiscal stimulus that has offset so much of the monetary stimulus. And I think that we are, you're starting to get late in the game at least, uh, at least on the housing side. I think uh, in terms of, uh, I, I got to think that residential construction will will start shedding jobs uh, before too long, especially if the 10-year stays up here and mortgage rates stay up above 7%.
0: Good. Um, Well, anything we overlooked, you think, this week, Tim?
1: You know, the data out of China just keeps getting, I I feel like we conclude this way every week where China keeps looking kind of scarier. But you really are seeing uh, the stress of the housing implosion. And I do think that the housing implosion is inexorable uh, in China. So as much as I am a long-term commodity bull, uh oil copper everything else basically uh if you're gonna have a long slow difficult recession and a balance sheet recession where people just refuse to spend where consumers just don't have confidence and don't feel like spending uh those can go for a long time so i think that you you are going to have uh, a real lack of demand out of china and I think it continues for a long time where maybe they are not trying to push on a string. You know, people keep expecting more stimulus. Why isn't there more stimulus? Maybe they just realize the situation that they're in uh, and and in with, and they're not going to be able to put a bottom in this real estate market and maybe they feel like, hey, we just got to take our pain on this thing. We got to get prices to a level where you actually find natural buyers as opposed to speculators for people who are going to live in all these these buildings in these tier two and tier three cities. So, And, and it really is starting to affect local government uh, revenues and balance sheets. Uh, And I think that's kind of the next leg of the stool here that keeps China really weak here for a long time.
0: Well, thanks for your time today, Tim, and uh, for all listeners and subscribers. uh, Thank you as well. We'll be back next week. and We're out. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WellFest. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WellFest. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. WealthFest does not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. WealthFest does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any of the contents. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.